Well, good morning, church. How are you this morning? Alive and well? I mean, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to require a lot more of you today than that. Um, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Um, if you don't know who I am, I'm Pastor Allison. I'm our kids' pastor, and that's what I mean by I require more of you because I require our kids to talk back to me so I know they're, like, getting some stuff from what we're talking about. And um, and I am here today sharing God's word with you um, because Pastor Greg is home. And I know that some of you may have seen on Facebook, he's like, I'm coming back, and I was going to preach. He really wanted to be here. Can I tell you that? His heart all the way up until last night at 7 p.m. was that he would be here. Um, <laughs> don't worry, I told him last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday, my husband got to preach. Wasn't that awesome? It was so fun. It's like the Abbey duo here that's happening. Um, but uh, last Sunday after uh, service, I had messaged him and I said, you know, I will have a sermon prepared and ready to go. I said, I would, of course, as our church, we would love for you to be here. But if, um, if it's too much, then we want you to have the grace just know that that we are behind you. So um, we sort of messaged throughout the week, and he was really wanting to be here more than anything. As a matter of fact, one of his last messages, he kind of texted last night. He said, I just feel like I'm letting them down. And I, right? Right. He, it's not true, Pastor. I said, stop being stupid. That's exactly what I said to him. <laughs> um because I truly, uh, I know that, that you know that they're going through a hard time. If you weren't here last week, we, we shared with our congregation that, that he and Rhonda were in a motorcycle accident. And, um, and it's, it's serious enough. I mean, they're okay. They're good. We're so thankful they're alive, right? Um, and uh, he definitely got a lot of uh, abrasions and just road rash. Is that the word to say? I don't know. <laughs> Um, so he did have a few cracked ribs, um, but nothing so severe, like he didn't have to have surgery, nothing like that. So we're really thankful. Um, but he is still in a lot of pain. And uh, we were very worried as a staff that it would be hard for him to preach three services. I'm pretty sure he could do one. <laughs> but uh, to be up here for three services takes a lot, and um, he's giving a lot, right? So uh, we're so thankful for him uh, waiting one more week. And, and my message back was, you know, Pastor, maybe this message that you created is the perfect message for a picnic Sunday, right? Because next Sunday, guess what, is our church picnic. Yes. So uh, just a couple other announcements I want to show. Oh, I didn't even share about Rhonda. Sure. I'll, I'll come back to the announcements. Um, Rhonda's actually doing better too. She's, I know last week we shared, she didn't suffer as many abrasions, um, but she did have a concussion. It was a pretty severe concussion to the point where the doctors are telling her that she mandatory cannot work for two months. So uh, it really is, a, it's a, it was a very severe concussion, lots of nausea, lots of um, just dizziness and a hard time being able to balance and that kind of thing. So she is getting better. Uh, so she's going to be a little stir crazy these next two months. So I told her, no worries. You can come and help me. <laughs> I mean, there's always something to do in kids ministry. And I said, we have a whole building over here. It's going to need toys and equipment and we can go shopping together. It'll be fabulous. So, uh, but you can pray for her, her, both Rhonda and Greg, uh, just something for you to be praying about because I know it will be hard to stay home. Um, she's, she's always loved the opportunity to be able to go to work just so she's doing something. So I feel like that's going to be a little bit hard for her. Um, but we're still so thankful because they really are recovering. They're making good recovery and they're doing great in that regard. Um, we just are going to welcome Pastor Greg back next week before a church picnic. So, uh, if I could tell you our, just a couple announcements before we dig into God's word, um, next Sunday, uh, we want you to invite your friends. How many of you are coming? I want all your hands up in the air. <laughs> I don't want to be alone on the slip and slide, you guys. 
Uh, no, it is a water picnic, so come prepared, bring a towel, that kind of thing. Uh, there is a section that we'll leave uh, available for those of you who don't want to get wet. Don't worry, but we share a meal together as well. Um, so I would say if you are available to help, we definitely would love your help. You can sign up online. There's like a little QR code on the back of your seat. Uh, you could sign up to help us out because so far we have this many people signed up online. Count them on one hand, friends. <laughs> Uh, no, it's actually, we do have a really great, we have a great grilling team, all that kind of stuff we do. And we've been calling people, it's not just four, but it was kind of funny when we looked at the sheet last week, we're like, oh, well, maybe we'll call some people to help uh, at the church picnic. But just so you know, if you wanted to help at the picnic, we usually only ask you to help during a service. So second service or third service, we're usually setting up. Uh, and then also those that help during the picnic, we ask them only to do about half the time so that they still have time to, you know, enjoy the picnic. So uh, if you're able to help, we'd love it. Uh, but next week, come, invite your neighbors, invite your friends. Um, I'll throw you down the slip and slide, spray you with a squirt gun, unless you're in the no, zone, no wet zone. Okay. <laughs> also coming up, though, uh, our prime timers are going to do a picnic together. Um, it's on the 17th of August, I believe. I don't know. I can, yes, 17th of August. And, um, and they're going to just have lunch together. If you want to go with them, if you consider yourself in the prime of your life, I don't even know what age that is, but whatever you consider that age to be, come here at 11 o'clock on the 17th and have lunch, and they're going to go somewhere. So you'll even get a nice little bus ride to take you back to your roots when you were in grade school taking the school bus. Uh, so that's happening. And then um, also, I have one more kind of fun announcement I want you to, to hear about this. It's a duck hunt. A duck hunt, you guys. This is a Janae thing. If you don't know Janae, she works with me. But I will promote it because it's the most fun thing. Uh, we had ducks. We did, I don't know, for whatever reason at Kids Camp this year, there were ducks. And they were like this big. And she's like, what if we did a duck hunt downtown? So she's really dreamed this thing up. It's a scavenger hunt for families. So you really come as a family to the Enumclaw libraries where we're going to start at. And you're going to get some clues. And no joke, there are people that are dressed up as ducks downtown. It's going to be embarrassing, if anything else. And I don't even know yet if I've been signed up to be a duck. So who knows? <laughs> fun there'll be it's like a scavenger hunt there'll be clues you'll go from place to place you'll gather some ducks along the way and when you come back there'll be some prizes just fun it's just a fun way for us to connect as a church family uh, we really do value that here that there's lots of ways for you to connect uh, in fun too like a church picnic or a duck hunt and that kind of thing so um, and with that I do I'm excited to share with you today like I said I, I've been preparing this message all week and I thought you know what would be really great is to share with our people how God brought me into ministry and some of the things that were really catalysts for me in ministry because I truly, truly believe that every single one of you in this room is called to ministry. Maybe not vocational ministry like we are as pastors here, but every single one of us are called to ministry. You know, the, ministry, the word ministry literally means serving. And the Bible teaches us that we're called to serve. That means you're called to ministry, uh, whatever that looks like. And so today we're really going to look at it. And I pray that through maybe some of the journey that I've been on and some of the verses in God's word that have really impacted me um, as God's grown me and developed me for ministry. I just pray that God will be working in your heart and how he wants to use you for ministry. Because the truth is every one of us has a different story. We've all grown up in different ways and different paths and different relationships. And whatever your journey has been, I guarantee that God wants to use your journey in your ministry and how he's called you to serve other people for the sake of the gospel. So you ready for this? 
Okay, that's what I mean. Like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to talk back to me. I need it. I need it. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I will give us, um, there, there's actually really what this is kind of a catalyst for me is I read this book, and I wish I could tell you what book it was. I just, I read a lot of books, and I can't remember, but I do remember reading this book about ministry at one point, and as I was reading, uh, the, the writer said, what really breaks you, what breaks your heart for people who are lost? And in my mind, I'm like, aren't we all in the same, the same place? Like, we're all, we all want people who don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. Isn't our mission all the same? And then I realized, no, God actually has inside of each one of us something very specific that we could be using as skills or talents or whatever it is to reach lost people. As a matter of fact, through your experiences, God has given you a burning desire for, for maybe people who are homeless or people who, um, I don't know, are orphaned or widowed or, or, I don't know, just really having a hard struggle with their finances. I don't know what it is, but I do pray that throughout the course of our day today that God will put something very specific on your heart. Because when I first read this book, I was like, yeah, we all have the same mission. And as, as time went on, I realized, no, there are specific things from my growing up that have impacted how I do ministry now. And there are certain verses in God's word that have really impacted how God has grown me into this place that, that I'm in right now. So I pray that for you, and I pray that, that God speaks to you specifically today. So let's open our Bibles. We're going to be all over the Bible, so if you want to open your app, you can do that our, on our website. There's like message notes. We'll have them up here on the screen, because I'm just giving you snippets of God's word that have really grown me through my life. So uh, the first one, though, I want to bring up is Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, where it says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, that's ministry. He came to serve. And he came to give his whole life as a ransom. So that's my question for us. Are we willing to give our whole life to Jesus? One of the verses that really hit home for me when I was a teenager was this verse in Revelation 3, 15, and 16, where it says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I say it like that because that's how I, like, I remember it in my, it's a heavy verse, isn't it? Well, I don't want it to feel so heavy because really, honestly, what this is teaching me is that God wants our devotion. He wants our whole heart, every little bit of us. He wants us to be on fire for God kind of hot and not cold or lukewarm. Can I say something about lukewarm food? That's when you get food poisoning, right? So to me, it's dangerous. And actually, can I tell you something? I, I just have to go here. It's like salmon. Okay, let's consider salmon for just a minute. You can have it hot. That's baked salmon. You could have it cold. Sushi, you're with me, you're with me. Okay, this is just honestly an argument against sushi for me. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I don't like sushi. Janae does, so I ran this by her, and she's like, I knew you were going to say that. But it's true. Okay, baked salmon, cold salmon, but lukewarm salmon, you can't have lukewarm salmon. You will get food poisoning. Isn't it weird that we can have it hot and we could have it cold, although that's not really God's desire for us. But we definitely shouldn't have it lukewarm uh, because food poisoning, it is dangerous. And the truth about food poisoning and lukewarm and all that kind of stuff is that you really don't often know about it until it's too late. How many of you have experienced this reality? Okay. <laughs> I really pray, though, that really what we're listening and what we're hearing is that God does want our whole heart. He wants our whole life. 
He wants our whole devotion to him. And what I know is, I know that God has made a sacrifice for my life. He's given me eternal life. And if, if God died on the cross for my sin, man, he deserves my whole heart. He deserves my whole devotion. He deserves all that I am. I pray that we think about this, that we think about his mercy. We remember his forgiveness, his kindness. We remember God in his word, the attitude that he had and the passion that he has for the lost because that's what he wants us to drive us, right? Man, Jesus served in a way far greater than I could ever ask for or imagine. When he died for me, he sacrificed his life so that I could have eternal life. That sacrifice, I've never had to make a sacrifice anywhere near that. And can I tell you something? That's what makes every sacrifice in my life worth it. I am thankful for the sacrifices that I've made and the ones that are still to come because it is worth it for the sake of the gospel for Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's look at 1 Peter 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 21. For this you have been called... Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. This is the verse that, that really teaches me that every single one of you in this room have been called by Jesus Christ who suffered for you and knows that you too will suffer too because that's an example that we might follow in his steps. Thank goodness we don't have to fill those shoes. We just have to follow him in his footsteps. Man, all of us are called to that. And I'm going to tell you something. It's worth it. It's worth it. This is a verse I'm going to share with you. Titus 2, verses 11 to 14. It's kind of a, a key verse for me. Kind of has become sort of a life verse in, in my mind. And, and I'll explain why in just a minute. But it says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. I'm going to pause there for a second because, church, I grew up in a church but I did not ever hear these words. That the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. I didn't hear those words. I didn't know that God's word was for all people. As a matter of fact, there were some lessons I remember hearing about where I felt like the message wasn't necessarily for everyone. That was a misunderstanding, and I, and I didn't know it when I was younger. And so that, this is what I mean. My life experiences have created a burning passion in me that, that everyone would know that the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. That's my job. I feel like if I want to share the gospel with people, that I want to teach him what it means to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for, are you ready for this, the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. You are his. And it says that he would, are you, I, I want to go back just a tiny bit, he gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify us for himself, a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Are we eager to do what is good? Following the example of Jesus and bringing the message of salvation and the redemption to all people. Man, that's what burns in my heart that I would be that kind of 
um, ministry leader that the people around me would know that I believe the gospel is for each and every single one of us. And that that message, the grace of God that's appeared for our salvation would be uh, what we're waiting for is that blessed hope of eternal life because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I am eager now to do what is good, to live a life that honors my God, that, that I would be able to help other people know what God's word says and how we really truly follow after him. When I look at the world around me, my heart breaks for those who are lost, for those who don't know him yet, but also for those who are trying to live halfway, like that verse that you read, that lukewarm way. Maybe they honor God with part of their life, but they're being pulled away because of the things that are holding them back from God. I think it's worth the question, is there things in your own life that you don't trust God with? Maybe your finances or your children or your goals or your dreams, friendships, jobs, your lifestyle, whatever it is, it's worth the question. Because God does, he wants your full devotion. When we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, oh, I believe he deserves our full devotion. Oh, I hope it causes us really to search inside of us and ask, God, how can you be using me to bring your light into the darkness of this world? I pray that we would be that kind of people, that we look at how God has grown us through the experiences of our life and say, God, how can you use me to bring your light into this world? You know, when I was younger, man, I thought I was going to be a missionary. I was sure that I was going to be a missionary. I have plans. I started making uh, this two-year plan, and there will be like other missionaries. It was like this rotating. It was like a whole plan. I'm telling you, I could sit down and talk about it for, for a long time. But I was sure that this is where God was leading me until I met David. <laughs> Some of you met him last week. That's my husband. And I will tell you, God saved me because he knew what he wanted to do in my life. He knew how he wanted to prepare me for ministry. He knew that that plan that I was creating, while it was, seemed awesome and good and I thought it was amazing, God had a different plan. And it was a mission of li missional living. It just, it just was right here. It wasn't out there. And the same things that were growing in my mind, God was using right there in ministry. But here's the thing. When I first met David, he was an intern with Young Life. And I had never been allowed to attend Young Life when I was younger. So it was all new to me. And I'll tell you something. To me, high schoolers were scary. They were intimidating. You know, the thing is, I had done middle school ministry. When I was in college, I, I, I worked with this church. It was amazing. I was part of middle school ministry. But something was different about high schoolers. And it was scary. They were willing to ask questions. And I wasn't sure I'd have the answer. And that's what terrified me. Can I tell you what I learned in that season of our life, in those first few years of ministry, is that God, he said as in his word, he says, if, if Christ is for us, you know this verse, who can be against us? You guys know it, right? I didn't need to feel so afraid. I just needed to be willing and obedient to him. He's promised to help me. He's promised to help every one of you who call on his name. He didn't need me to have all the answers. He needed me to have a willing heart. And so God started forming me and forming in me in those years a true love for his people, even high schoolers, for the sake of the gospel. 
I'm going to read a verse that really has been a catalyst in ministry for me. I remember, again, I was reading a book. Guys, I love reading books. I was reading books about, I don't even know what it was about because I hadn't really fully felt like I was called to ministry yet. But as I was reading this verse, it's Romans 10, 14. It really struck home for me. It says this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? When I read this verse, that's when I went to David and I said, I know it. God's calling me to ministry and this is it. And it's kind of funny. If you were here last week, you probably heard me say that I had been a school teacher up to that point. And that was the same moment where David was deciding that maybe it was time to leave ministry and become a school teacher. And he just thought it would be fabulous for us to have the summers off together. But I brought him this verse and I said, but you know, this is God's call in my life. Like, like how, how? He wants me to be a preacher. I just, I know it in my heart. And, and the Lord used that specific verse in that specific way. And of course, my husband agreed with me and he's like, but man, those summers were going to be so awesome. <laughs> Because here's what God really did put on my heart. What God put on my heart through that verse specifically was that how can not just people hear if someone isn't there to preach them, but how can they learn if the door has been closed to them? And that's what really struck me. I felt like in my, uh, the, the church I grew, up, I grew up in was a great church. The people were awesome and I, I did love them. But I felt like the door was closed. There were a lot of people around us that didn't fit, if that makes sense, in our church. And I didn't, I didn't learn the grace of God, the, the love of God, the compassion of our, our Father until much later. And I think that's why this verse struck me so hard because the Lord spoke into my heart, don't close the door. As a matter of fact, how many of you have seen this movie, Jesus Revolution? Have you heard of it? Have you seen it? Some of you have seen it. I know the worship team went to see it together. Um, if you don't know, this movie came out in February. Um, and it's just really, truly about this guy who, he came out of a life of drug addiction. And uh, he heard the message of salvation and turned his heart toward the Lord. And, uh, and he wanted to share that with other people who were in the same place that he had been. A hard place in his in life, and and it, it comes like in the 70s, so it's like the hippie movement, and all that kind of stuff. Okay, and um, and I just thought to myself, what's more powerful than a person who's found salvation from a lifestyle that they were drowning in shame from grief or, or pain or, or sorrow? And he had a story that God wanted to use in his life to help people see him through this guy. And he was sitting down, and we're going to watch a small bit of the movie clip. Uh, he was sitting down having a conversation with the pastor of a church that had been losing uh, influence in their community. And we are going to watch the short clip, but I just want you to know, you guys, I don't think this is our church. I don't want you to misunderstand. Um, <laughs> this is just something that really, it, maybe it was my church growing up. And so when I was watching this movie, I was like, that's it. That's what burns in my heart for people because the door isn't open to all people. I believe here in our church that door is open. So don't think that this video clip has anything to do with our church as a whole, but I just think it's a great reminder. So will you watch this with me? Jeanette tells me you're a pastor. Yes, currently. I know we must seem pretty strange. But if you look a little deeper, if you look with love, 
you'll see a bunch of kids that are searching for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. So to answer your question, how do I describe my people? They're sheep without a shepherd, chasing hard after lies. And the trouble is, your people reject them. So I ask you, Pastor, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? We can only walk through doors open to us. And your church? Well, that's a door that's shut. Like I said, not our church. <laughs> I would say that's not at all um, how things are here. And that's why I, I love my job so much. Because this is a safe place for people to ask questions, to come to, to seek Jesus. And um, and I pray that. But but I, I think this is such a great reminder. This, this movie is such a great reminder. Because sometimes in our own hearts, do we close the doors to some people? Maybe not intentionally at first. But have we at one point or another closed our heart off and made a way impossible for someone to meet Jesus um, because of an opinion or, or whatever it might be? So I just ask you, search your heart, because I don't believe that's here. And I would say this, if if you're someone here that um, that has been searching, keep searching. This is something I read about in my in my Bible. Jesus didn't condemn the woman who was caught in adultery, did he? She had enough of that judgment from everyone else, including herself. She needed someone to show her a way out with compassion and a freedom to move on and to change. A drug addict doesn't need our condemnation. They already feel that enough themselves. But they needed a listening ear, a person that they can first build trust with. Think about that for a minute. Are we building trust with people who don't know Jesus so that we might be able to have a good conversation later when they're really seeking after Jesus? It actually reminds me of a fruit fly trap. Anybody ever made a fruit fly trap before? Okay. In a, in a bowl where you put vinegar and soap and you put a little water in there and, and you put the saran wrap over the top and you put a few holes in there. Okay. Those fruit flies are enticed by the smell and they find their way in, but do they ever find their way out? Finding their way out seems impossible. I'd say the same thing about temptation is like that, wouldn't you say? It's easy to find your way in. It's a lot harder to find your way out. So if I can read that verse even one more time from Romans 10. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard about? How can they hear without someone preaching to them and what God put on my heart how can they learn if the door is closed or the way of salvation is not open to them amen man I just pray if you're someone who is seeking Jesus oh keep seeking that's what I want to say to those of you seeking him ask questions there is safety here and if you ever feel unwanted or or unloved or uncared for or rejected in any way can I just say that's not the heart of Jesus we're just people that sometimes get it wrong. <laughs> but I pray that today you feel encouraged to keep seeking and keep asking and keep listening because God's word is alive and it is active. 
John 3.17 says, For God uh, did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And 2 Peter 3.9 also reminds us, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. If you don't know Jesus, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Church, this is such a big deal to me because it's not what I understood when I was younger. So when I read this, I realize, why didn't we study this verse when I was a kid? That's why it is so, I think that's why it's so deep on my heart. What, 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 when you were a kid, what, what really drove you that might help you reach someone else too? As you seek your calling in ministry, I'm going to read a couple more verses. There's this verse in 1 Timothy Chapter 2, 1 to 4, it says this. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. He's asking us to pray for all people. How can we pray for even kings and all those in authority? How can we pray for those around us that a, a, an intercession is praying for other people? How can we pray for the needs of the people around us? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you, do you, you catch the theme I'm coming with here, folks? <laughs> he wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That's what drives me. But also, can I just say this for a second? That they may live peaceful and quiet lives. That is not children's ministry at all. Okay? <laughs> So, of course, we're going to talk about this for a minute because I think we can read verses out of context. And if we don't put it into the old tapestry of scriptures, we miss. Because this specific verse is not saying that your life should be boring. I'm telling you something. You should come back and hang out with us in kids' ministry. Um, my watch often asks me during a Sunday morning if I'm working out. That's real. We play and we have a lot of fun back there. But I think what this verse means when it says that, when it says live peaceful, quiet lives in godliness and holiness, really what it's saying is pay attention. If we take the scripture in context, um, what we need to be doing is really sharing the gospel, ready for this, through a lens of peace is how we share the gospel, not through condemnation or oppression. And, and when it says quietly, I think it really means to pay attention because if we're loud about our own opinion, we might close a door of opportunity for somebody. So I would say this, tread quietly, be a good listener so that you'll know the best way to respond and interact for the sake of the gospel and play and have fun and jump around and worship with kids and, and you get the idea, right? That's just a piece of the puzzle and there will be moments when our job is just simply to listen. Here's what I tell um, our leaders as uh, we grow our children's ministry team. Often I'll try and meet with them, and something that I try and impart very, very um, implicitly among them is that kids are almost likely not going to remember everything that we say. They won't remember all the scriptures that we use to teach them. They won't remember all the Bible references that we talk about but they will remember how they feel. And if we can, in children's ministry, in our church as a whole, if we can welcome people into ministry, if we can love them and care for them and um, 
and just help them see God and, and recognize and associate in their church that God is good. If they can recognize in their church that church is a place that's even fun to be in. If we can grow in our kids a love for being in God's house, a love for learning God's word. If we can grow in our kids and help them associate church with goodness and fun and joy and laughter and love. If we can do that, then the Holy Spirit will have room to grow in their hearts. I don't remember what my Sunday school teachers taught. I, I don't remember all the lessons they taught me, but I do remember how I felt. And I, I've shared it a little bit already. I loved the people. I liked being around them. But I didn't invite my friends to church because I was embarrassed. I felt like there was this kind of an air of judgment that some people were accepted and some people weren't. And I didn't want any of my friends to feel pushed away, so I didn't want to invite my friends to church. But I do remember one person in my church. She was different. She was kind and caring and welcoming. I didn't feel that uh, feeling of judgment around her, so I kind of gravitated toward her, toward her. And I will say this. Man, it was her example in my life that is actually what encouraged me to seek Jesus in a new way after I went to college. And I'll never be more thankful for her example in my life. Because in the beginning of my college years, I did wander from God. And through some circumstances that only God could have orchestrated, the Lord brought me to this amazing church where I got to learn so much. I felt welcome. I felt invited to ask questions. Man, when I was growing up, I felt like if I asked a question, I was I was questioning my whole faith. So I just, I wasn't even allowed to ask. And I was, now I was in this place in this church where I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit for the first time. I learned about a love and a grace that God has for all people for the first time. And I was in college. And like I said, again, I don't remember exactly what the pastor preached about. I don't remember all the exact Bible references and scriptures that we read together, but I do remember feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. I do remember feeling encouraged to ask questions and encouraged to draw near to God in ways I had never known before. And I am confident in my heart that God used every step of my life in preparation for this. Not just vocational ministry, but my whole life is a ministry. And that's what you're called into as well. God wants to use every step of your life to help you, to shape you for ministry. How is God shaping you to minister to other people? How is God going to use your life experiences to encourage others to walk alongside Jesus too? How can you walk alongside them? Because God wants to use your story for the glory of his kingdom. Here's the key though. You have to let him. Will you let him? Most recently in ministry, I feel like God's been showing me something very specific. And I thought, you know, I, I want to share that with you as well. Because I just pray that God is, again, working in your hearts and, and teaching you something specific too. But recently, I feel like God wants me, as, as we're singing, and, and it just came to me in, the last, in this last month. Every time we sing of the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of God, the Spirit just aches on my heart for people who are suffering, who maybe have a hard time singing about the goodness of God. Because my heart does break for them. Here's what I know. I know that it doesn't feel good when 
someone passes away in your life. It doesn't feel good when a marriage ends in a divorce or it doesn't feel good when a job is lost or a friend moves away or, or the bills are, are greater than the income or there's an accident that happens or, um, I don't know, a miscarriage in your life or a car breakdown or, are you ready? <laughs> I have to be a little bit silly. You've had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Do you guys know this book? Have you ever read this book? It's one of my favorites. <laughs> Because at the very end of this book, this kid goes through all the things and his, his whole day is just wrecked and he's complaining about everything. And at the very end of the book, his mom says, you know, some days are like that, even in Australia. Because the kid the whole way through the book is like, I'm moving to Australia. That's it. I'm moving. I'm leaving. I'm going to Australia. And at the very end, mom's like, some days, kid, even in Australia. So my kids know that when they start complaining, I usually stop and I go, oh, you've just had a terrible, horrible, no good, very big day, haven't you? And they look at me, and they roll their eyes, and I say, well, you know some days are like that. And they know the proper answer is, even in Australia. <laughs> I know. Uh, but here's the truth. I know that life is full of setbacks or unexpected pains, and we wonder sometimes where the goodness of God is in it or how God is going to be faithful in it. And how do we point people to Jesus in the midst of their pain? And I believe, honestly, at the very first, we just need to be a listener. That people who are in, in pain, they don't necessarily need to hear us say anything. I remember when we lost a baby to miscarriage between our first and our second child. And um, I didn't necessarily want anybody to say anything. I just wanted someone to sit with me through the pain that we were going through. Someone willing to just sit there and not say a word. I already knew what all the answers were supposed to be. I just needed someone to sit in a quiet space until I was ready to walk in that truth. And it reminds me actually of the person family. They lost little Lincoln if you were here a number of years ago. There was a car collision and I'll tell you something, they didn't need people telling them what to do or how to grieve. What they needed was people that would sit with them in their grief. I remember one Sunday morning, we were here in worship service and I just happened to be near to Robin um, after service and we'd been singing during that time. The song we sang was, where O oh, death is your victory, where O oh, death is your sting. And I vividly remember her just making a comment. She said, that was so hard for me. She said, because death does sting. And I just wanted to cry with her in that moment because it's true. Now, that's not what the song was about, is it? But she didn't need a theology lesson in that moment. She just needed someone to be available and near to her in her brokenness. I think about also um, one of our kids in kids' ministry. When he was seven years old, he lost his dad to a heart attack. And we were there in the hospital with him. And I'm sure it was hard for him to hear people singing of the goodness of God because it didn't feel good. And he didn't need a Bible lesson at that moment. What he needed was someone to be understanding and available to be near to him in his brokenness. And this is exactly what I mean when I say, how can God use your life to walk with someone else? To be near to their brokenness because those moments that you have with them will build trust for a future conversation you might be able to have later when they can see that you still sing of the goodness of God because God is good. The Bible does teach me 
because there is darkness in this world, but there is no darkness in God. We have an eternity. We have a hope of eternity where there is no more darkness. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sadness or destruction or evil. Amen? We have an eternity ahead, and God is good. We have something ahead of us. We eagerly await for it. Our God is faithful, and he's preparing a place, and he will be faithful to deliver us from this place into an eternity without any of it. So we have this truth that keeps us going through the hard stuff, knowing what's ahead. Kind of like an athlete that competes in, competes in a race, right? Athletes that compete somewhere in the middle, there's a lot of pain and suffering, but they know there's a finish line. We have something greater that we're anticipating. We know the finish line too. And we can hold on to that as we face hardships in our life. But even now, we also trust in the goodness of God here and now, don't we? The Bible teaches me that God is good. He's loving. He's caring. He's my creator. He's my redeemer. He's my savior. He's my friend. The Bible says he's the first and the last. It says he's Alpha and Omega. It says he's the beginning and the end. My Bible says that God is living and active in my life right now. The Bible says that he's perfect in every way, that he is sinless, that he is full of light and there's no darkness in him. So there's no darkness in him. That I can trust the goodness of God even when life doesn't feel good. I can trust that God will walk with me. I can trust that he'll give me what I need. I can trust that he'll be my encourager. He'll be my helper, my guide. He'll give me comfort. He'll be a place of, of calm in the storm. I can sing about the goodness of God when life doesn't feel good because God has promised to be my helper. He's promised to help me when I don't feel good. He's promised me that when I sing of his goodness, I can trust that he is working all things out for our good and for his glory. And I want my life to shine his glory in everything that I do, in everything that I go through, because God is good. Look at uh, 1 John 4, 4 teaches me this. Greater is he that is in you than me, than he that is in the world. We know how the story ends, don't we? And God is greater than my fears and temptations and worries and struggles. God is greater than anything I will ever encounter. But remember what I said earlier about prayers and petitions. Remember that piece? I know that God wants to hear our prayers. He wants us to cry out to him when things are hard. He wants us to cry out and be honest and open with him that right now I'm struggling with the goodness of God. He wants us to pray that. But understand, there's another verse in Philippians 4, 6 that says, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, we would present our request to God. What he wants is that we would pray for. We wouldn't be necessarily stuck in uh, and hopelessness or, or anguish or, or feeling like there's no way out. Instead, he wants us to take those prayers and can we turn them into a petition that we would pray for deliverance, that we would pray for healing, that we would pray for rescue or, or medical answers or, or direction or guidance or whatever it is, that we would pray very specifically for what is needed to our God who hears our prayers, that we would be able to, to come to him with brokenness, but then pray for with petition, and that verse says with thanksgiving. Why do we pray with thanksgiving? Not because it feels good, but because we trust 
he will do what is best. We trust he will work this out for good. He will grow me. He will mature me. He will use me. He will teach me. How many of us learn in spaces where it's easy? Not so often, do we? Where do you learn the most? When things are hard, right? God says, this isn't my, his design is not the darkness of this world, but he will use it to grow us. He will use it to mature us. He will use it to guide us and comfort us and give us everything that we need, not just for ourselves, but how we might encourage someone else. My God is faithful and he is good. And I can sing of his faithfulness and I can sing of his goodness because of what he's already done and what I trust he will do and the hope that I have in eternity as well. Can I tell you the truth? When my dad passed away, that's what I held on to. I was able to continue singing of his goodness because I believed it. I was able to keep singing of his faithfulness because there was no doubt in my mind of the faithfulness of God. But I also know that there are some who struggle with that. And how can God use me through my pain to be able to walk alongside someone else in their pain? What if we brought that kind of hope into our whole world? A hope that helps people separate the darkness of this world from the goodness of God so that they can continue singing of the goodness of God even when life doesn't feel good. That's ministry, friends. That is ministry, that we would leave the door open for people to encounter Jesus in real, tangible ways. I want to finish our time this, together this morning with a story. There's a, a person that um, I would consider a friend, and a while back we started walking together, and uh, fairly regularly, and on the very first walk that we went on, she shared enough of her story with me to see that she had been seeking most of her life for truth and had been searching in so many different ways. When she shared her life with me, I could tell that there was just a long time and a number of different stories in her life where she had really been searching for truth and hadn't found it yet. And uh, through all of her experiences, recently she came into a conversation with someone about Jesus. And during that time where we were walking, at the end of that very first walk, she's telling me all these different stories and she says to me, but I don't understand. I understand the Holy Spirit. I understand God, but why do we need Jesus? Oh boy. <laughs> By that one right there, I was like, man, she's never heard about Jesus. And I'll tell you, I knew that we only had like two minutes and we talked just briefly, but I remember in that little tiny bit of window of conversation, I left her with one thing and I said, no matter what, would you keep seeking? Don't stop searching. Let's keep these conversations happening. I, I want to be a resource for you. And each time that we went on a walk, it brought on more conversations. I don't even think she remembers all the Bible references. Like I said, we don't remember everything, right? She doesn't remember all the context that we talk about. But what she does remember is how she felt. She felt accepted. She felt free to ask questions because the questions that she asked came with gentle answers. She knew that she could share her life struggles and that they would come with compassionate listening. So she kept asking and she kept seeking. As a matter of fact, she met Jesus right here at our church in a moment where pastor said, if you need to ask forgiveness of your sins, 
do that here. And I remember her coming to me in, in, in tears saying, I have never prayed for forgiveness and I don't know how, but I know that I need to. Can I tell you that was the most beautiful conversation I have ever had. And a little while later, I'll tell you, she's still searching, she's still listening, she's still searching for Jesus now. And it's beautiful because not long ago, I was there with her for her baptism. And what she shared with me was that one of the most pivotal moments for her was when she shared one of the darkest parts of her past and she wasn't pushed away. The truth is, she didn't need a theology lesson. She just needed a way of salvation to remain open for her. So much of her life, her past, none of it seemed good. She never understood the goodness of God. But God is going to use her story. He already has. She shared her testimony one time that I've been a part of in front of a group of people. And I was so proud because she, her story is so bold. And she's such a new Christian. And she just shared everything. And I was, I was just blown away by her story. And I thought, God is going to use that for his glory because she's willing and even obedient to what God has called her to. Isn't that beautiful? I just pray that we would be a church that ministers to people the way Jesus did, without condemnation, but with grace, compassion, gentleness, and love. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll pray together. Father God, we are so incredibly thankful for the experiences in our life that have grown us, for the times in our life that you have shown us something new. Um, God, we pray for the, uh, the experiences ahead, God, that we would follow you with them, God. I pray that if there are people in this room that are still searching for you, God, that they would be encouraged to keep seeking. And that, God, those in this room who have walked with you for a long time, God, I pray that you'd just be talking, speaking right into their heart, God, how you want to use them for me. What burns in their heart, God, that you would use for them as they minister to other people in this world. God, how much we can reach the people around us and we can encourage those around us to seek after you by the experiences we've already had and, God, how you can use them to encourage others in our lives around us. God, I pray that we would be listening to you, that we'd be open to your leading, and that, uh, God, you would be doing mighty works in the lives of our community and those around us. We love you, Jesus. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Hey, uh, we'll see you next week, church picnic, yes? And if you wanted to sign that paper, I told, did I tell you this already? I put a paper outside. You can write some notes to Pastor Greg. Let him know that, you know, we love him. <laughs>